You're listening to Brave and Boss Podcast, episode 163. Cannot believe that. Episode 7 of season 5. I am excited to have today's guest on because we're going to talk all about content um, and why that matters and why prioritizing content development needs to be high up on your list, which sounds totally backwards when what you probably have learned, but Today's guest and I will chat all about that, so let's hop on into the episode. Welcome to Brave and Boss, a podcast for the purpose-driven founder who wants to grow their e-commerce business. I'm your host, Christy Sumer. I'm the CEO and founder of the Ethical Fashion Line Encircled, a conscious business coach and passionate about helping you break through your limits and build a brand that matters. Let's do this. Okay, welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Christy Sumer, the founder and CEO of the ethical fashion brand Encircled. I apologize, firstly, for the gap in the episodes. Wow, December just flew by. I don't know for you, but for me, I haven't even finished my Christmas shopping. So as, as of recording time right now, it is Christmas Eve, and I need to finish my shopping this afternoon. So that is how behind I am on life. And unfortunately, the podcast has had to take a bit of a backseat due to the busyness of my other business and some HR shifts that have been happening over there. So I apologize for being a little bit behind. I do have some great episodes coming up, some interviews, but as well some solo casts. Some of my most popular episodes that we've done in the past have been like the recap of 2021, which I know everybody wants to talk about 2021. And then how to work on a plan for 2022 will be a separate one. But before I get into that, I just want to remind you that rating and reviewing this podcast really helps. There's over, I think, close to a million podcasts now. So anytime you rate and review it, it just takes two seconds. If you're on Apple Podcasts, you just scroll down to the bottom and rate it. I would really, really appreciate it. For us, it just helps me get more visible, get more downloads, help more entrepreneurs like you find the podcast. I know from the feedback I've read and the messages I get on Instagram that the content really resonates. So let's help more bosses get access to this. And that is the biggest way to do that. So, all right. So let's get into the episode today. It is an interview and I'm really excited to bring this guest on. We did a little bit of a collaboration earlier. I think this was in 2021. Sounds like a blur but she put together this e-commerce summit and I've done an interview on it and you might've seen it through our emails and she's just, she's a marketer. This woman is a marketer. She is so organized. I've done a bunch of collaborations and she was really on top of everything from the sequences. And I've also been on her podcast and she had like a welcome series for her podcast guests. Like she's really dialed into content and marketing. So I know that you'll be able to take away a ton of valuable tips from this interview. So who is coming on the podcast? Her name is Deirdre Shin. She is known as The Growth Boss on Instagram or thegrowthboss.com. She's also the creator of the Viral Velocity Formulas, the Live Conversion Method, founder of Growth Boss, a leading mentorship and virtual CMO program for e-commerce business owners wanting to scale to multiple six and seven figures using the power of tribe building, virality, and human connection. She's founded five businesses across four industries in the last eight years. I'm tired just reading that. (laughs) 
Um, and so she's experienced everything that comes with building businesses, running them, closing them, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So she's got a ton, ton of experience there. And now she's working on actually a software product called Capshow. So we'll leave a link in the show notes to that. But she has a free workshop on that to help you build your visibility and generate more leads from social media while spending only two hours a week on it. Sounds dreamy. So she's got like an Instagram bootcamp. So we'll put the link. It's free in the show notes to check that out. So let's jump on over to the interview. All right. I am super excited to welcome today's guest to the show. Please join me in welcoming Deirdre Shin to the podcast. She is an e-commerce sales and marketing coach. You may be familiar with her from her podcast called the Growth Boss Podcast as well. We worked together on a summit oh, just a few months ago, actually, all about e-commerce. So I'm super excited to chat with you more and talk more about your background. So welcome to the show. Oh, thanks so much, Christy. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah. I'm, I, I, I mean, I love geeking out about e-commerce and I think this is going to be one of those episodes and I know yeah. our listeners are going to really enjoy it. So let's start off a little bit for those of you who aren't familiar with who you are and what you do and why. Do you want to give us a little bit background on how you got started in e-commerce and what led you up to where you are today and what you're doing now? Yeah, for sure. How much time do we have? Because uh, Maybe like 30 yeah, I guess I, you know, what's really funny, it's that I never thought that I would be where I am right now. My background is so, so different. I think you would, you would know yourself with your background, I know a bit about your background, but I, you know, came from a finance, I was working banking. My first business actually was about eight years ago and it was in hospitality. So it was still, again, completely different. You might be able to tell from my accent that I am from Australia. So not, I live in, I live in New York right now, but um, yeah, originally from Australia. And we opened a dessert bar in Sydney that we grew to five locations. And we also opened a burger restaurant alongside that. So we have two of those locations. And wow, that's why I ask how much time you have, because, you know, you can imagine <laughs> from there to here being like New York still running, you know, like brick and mortar stores are like, how did I get here? <laughs> um, and it's, it's actually really, really funny because I was actually still working in corporate when we opened our business and, oh gosh, it was hard. It was so, so hard to get it off the ground because I think we all fall into that trap where we know how good our product is. And so we, and we expect that, yeah, the build it and they will come strategy will work. Right? Like, Of course it will work. And it didn't, it did not work uh, for a long, long time. And until, you know, we figured out a way to eventually crack the code. And that's what led to an expansion in our stores. And then what happened was that probably about three years ago, we found out that our store manager of our busiest store, it was at a city that a store located in the city had been stealing from us. Now he'd been with us for a while and because it was our busiest store and he, and we actually had the way that we worked was our, our team members actually worked across stores. So he was actually stealing from, you know, multiple stores oh and it was like, and we're talking about in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. Oh. It was like insane. I know. And it was, it was kind of one of those, like, I guess, pattern interrupt moments, you know, we talk about that a lot of marketing or like, where I think we just, you know, my husband and I were just sort of looking at each other going, 
you know, is this where we want to be? Like it kind of brings up all of these other questions of like when something drastic or something changes in your life and, you know, your perspective changes and everything. And it's like, is this where we want to be right now in our lives? Is this what we want to be doing? And, you know, we decided that it wasn't. Hence, we made the move over here to New York about two years ago, actually. Now, in the meantime, I had started a fashion technology business with another co-founder. So we'd started in Sydney, we were doing some testing. And at the time when my husband and I kind of decided to make the move over to the States, I was speaking to Bon and I was like, hey, you know, we can pull it, we can make this work. We can totally make this work. You know, I'll just work. I'll, you know, do, you know, Northern Hemisphere, you do Southern Hemisphere, you know, and then, and then ultimately when it came down, I was just like, you know what, why don't you just come with us? Why don't you just move over? And she was like, yeah, okay, why not? So, so I kind of, you know, packed up my, my cat, my husband and my co-founder and we moved over to New York together. And so what we did was we kind of hit the ground running on testing. So we were still in testing phase. We were still trying to work out whether there would be, you know, product market fit for this thing that we were looking to build. And we we had a hypothesis that we had two types of customers, one being university or like college students and one being, you know, young professionals. So we kind of went to Columbia, we went to the NYU campuses and just like randomly started speaking to women to test our product and then we also you know kind of it wasn't quite wall street but you know there were offices all over like in midtown and stuff so we kind of hit the pavement there um, we had a few contacts so we started just also speaking to young professionals and what we realized was that while there was a problem so the problem that we were trying to solve for was there but the way that it was that people were already kind of hacking together solutions was good enough it wasn't a big enough problem for them to immediately change their habits which meant that like while we could have gone there, we would just need a, a long runway. And we just didn't have that luxury. We didn't have that kind of capital. We didn't have that kind of time. Yeah, so we were like, okay, what? so we basically failed that business. And we we're like, okay, well, what now? And fortuitously, like I ran into an audience of mine who I didn't even know had moved to New York. She had brick and mortar stores. And she was like, she really wanted to get online. She knew what, you know, my background in hospitality, like I have a similar background in brick and mortar and she knew that generally what I was capable of. So in banking, you know, I have a background in innovation, in marketing, client insights. And she was like, you know what, can you just help me come online? And I was like, I've never done this before. She was like, you know, what? it doesn't matter. You know, it's, it's always about the person rather than, you know, necessarily the experience, as long as, you know, you have the, 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 the grit and the know-how, like, let's just do it. And I was like, I was like, hey, well, let's give it a shot. And so we worked with her to actually bring her business online. And then we were like, that was, it was, it's been so much fun. It was so much fun playing that game that of finding traffic, bringing them in, converting them. So we actually started reaching out to the brands and boutiques that we had been speaking to actually when we were working in the fashion technology business. We started reaching out to them and we were just like, you know what, like, do you want to give this a go? And that's kind of how we fell into e-commerce, like totally you know, in a roundabout way. Um, and now we do have our own e-commerce store. It's a, it's actually in dessert still because we just can't get away from dessert. I love my desserts and my husband loves loves making desserts. So we've actually also alongside, you know, the growth boss and working on helping other e-commerce businesses grow. We ourselves are growing our own e-commerce business. So which means that everything that we do, we always test on ourselves first. You would know this as well, Christy. 
we test on ourselves first and make sure that, you know, the strategy works and, and how we go about doing it. And then we help others do that. Wow. I mean, what a story. <laughs> Talk about a lot of pivots there. It's funny. It kind of reminds me of my current mentor. He runs like a ice cream slash gelato company brand oh, in wow. Canada. And he started out, I think, having stores. And then, you know, there was a whole story about getting robbed and like all these, all oh, these things God. that happened to him over the years. And I think that's just really the trials and tribulations of entrepreneurship and the, the true oh, heart God. you have is very evident. Cause like, you know, a lot of people might've been like destroyed after they found out a really loyal employee was stealing from them and, you know, making yeah. that pivot and then pivoting to a startup tech company and then realizing that's not a, maybe a viable <laughs> idea and going into e-commerce. Like that's a lot of shifts and, and, mm-hmm. and I know you're not that old, so this is in a very short period of time. So that's a really big testament to, you know, your adaptability and flexibility. So I can totally relate. Can you remind me what the name of your e-commerce brand is that you have? Oh, it's, um, it's called Baker Box NYC. Okay, cool. Awesome. So we'll put a link to that in the show notes. so People can check that out, but I totally love that you have that too, because of course that resonates with me. And I've had another coach on this podcast, Matt Edmondson, who's based in the UK. And he also is a coach, but he has his own stores. And I always find like, that is really helpful because I want to learn from somebody who's actually implementing things real time, not somebody who's (laughs) just theoretically coaching me about coaching. So I think that's a big advantage for sure. So tell me a little bit about, you know, you've talked a a little bit about how you've been able to like kind of grow traffic and convert that traffic. And Mm -hmm. I think that's a great starting point from our discussion, because we want to talk about your live content multiplier on this podcast, but like, what are some of the fundamentals, I guess, starting out? And, you know, when you worked with that friend's business, like what are some of the first things you started to look at doing and implementing to get them off the ground with more sales and get some growth going? Yeah, so I think fundamentally what I learned was it's all about human connection. There is, you know, it's so it's so fascinating because I think we all aspire to, we look at all these big brands and obviously we all aspire to be that brand. And so we immediately, as soon as we start our own business, we immediately go to, okay, well, I have to be that big corporate, you know, we and I, you know, I, I have a whole team behind me. Like we have to project this thing because that's what we see happen with these big brands. And I had to, and also coming from a, you know, a, a banking background, like that was obviously, you know, kind of what they were like there. I wouldn't call it a facade because it was true. Like it's a big, it's a big bank, but you know, that's just, I came from that kind of corporate background. So it was really, really fascinating to have to even break myself out of that and realize that actually when you are a small business and when you are starting out, what actually gets cut through with your audience is that human connection. It's that vulnerability. It's actually opening yourself up to like, hey, this is what I'm doing, but I am definitely not perfect. (laughs) I definitely don't have everything together. And, you know, but this is what I'm trying. This is what I'm really passionate about. And I think that's what, you know, when you are a small business and you're starting out, that is kind of what you have to bring to your audience because that is what actually creates connection. That's what actually gets them to know, like, and trust you. So I think that was almost like the big initial epiphany that I had in terms of starting point, in terms of like, oh, okay, this is kind of, you know, a different way of having to think about it. And then I started to, we started to kind of like, how do we now bring that human connection to life? And it's, this is actually part of the virality formula that I know that we're going to be talking about, but there's kind of a few components to that. And one is, I call it the traffic pyramid in terms of 
literally the framework of how you act if you go and find your traffic. And do you want me to go through that quickly while I'm talking about traffic? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Let's dig into it for sure. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Okay, so there's kind of four tiers to the traffic pyramid. The bottom tier, which is where the live content multiplier actually falls into, is what I call passive organic marketing. Now, passive organic marketing is also commonly known as social media marketing because it is basically about how do you leverage all of these platforms that you have available to you to find to find your audience and captivate them, magnetize them. Now, the thing is that the reason why I call it passive is because there's a, like it's kind of one of those strategies where I know people get really frustrated about because you feel like you're putting content constantly out there and nothing's happening. That's what it could feel like. And it's passive in a way because that's what you're doing, right? You're, you're kind of putting things out there. There's a lot of effort that goes into it, but in a way you're kind of just sitting back and waiting for, hoping that people stumble across you. So really what we want to be doing is to make that active. Now, before I get into, so that's the first, the first part, which is all about passive organic marketing. Now, the second tier is all about then leveraging other people's audiences. And this was a big, big strategy. I know that for a lot of e-commerce brands, um, a lot of six-figure founders, even seven-figure seven founders, this is where they started. This was literally how they, what they grew their brand on, right, was leveraging other people's audiences. And in e-commerce especially, that looks like influencer marketing. <laughs> but what we've also, and that's, you know, to be honest, even my first business with the dessert brand, the Chalk Pot, like that, that was actually what helped us grow how we got out of the, the the months and months of like being in the red was because we were able to leverage influencer marketing really effectively now the thing with influencer marketing is it can be a little bit hit and miss you know either and there's the whole debate about pay influencers to post is it worth it all those types of things so I've kind of also, so there's influencer marketing, which is one thing. I'd love to get your thoughts on that as well, Christy, because I'm sure that you leverage a lot of influencer marketing. But what I actually really like to do as well is to leverage what I call list builders. And list builders are a little bit different. They're influencers in their own right, but they actually, rather than having a follower base, they have a list. And that way, you know, when you can work really effectively with people with a list, then you have more chance of actually getting in front or directly into their inbox by way of, you know, this, like a list builder, as, as I call them. So that's kind of a different way. And, and I just don't think that e-commerce business owners leverage that strategy enough in terms of like list builders, um, because that's just not what we commonly see um, in the market, but it can be really, really effective. So that's the second tier. And then the third tier of the pyramid is what I call active organic marketing. And this is when you are really intentful with how you are creating and intentful and data-driven about how you're creating content, how you're actually getting the reach that you need, as well as actually actively reaching out to potentially individuals to actually start to get them into whether it's your, your promotion or a lead magnet or, or something else. So this is where we start to get active, become active. Now, this is not a scalable, as in typically scalable for one-person ban strategy, but it is a great way to start to start to build your base. Because the great thing about that as well is that when you're actually having direct conversations with people, then you actually start to get to know who your buyers actually are and what they're actually saying, which means that when you ascend into the top tier, which is paid ads, you can actually more straight out of the gate 
be more cost effective with how you're actually with the types of ads that you're because you know who your audience are and you know what they're saying, which converts really, really well into copy and creative. So those are kind of, I, don't, I hope that made sense of four tiers of the, yes, the traffic yes. pyramid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So tell, let's talk a little bit more about this traffic pyramid and how that works. Like how do all these levels interact? How does that interact with your formula that you've created? Yeah. So let me talk about the formula really quickly. So there's kind of four components to it. It's traffic plus connection plus leverage loops all to the power of message. (laughs) Um, And so it's like T plus C plus L to the power of M. And the reason why, you know, your message is always going to be the thing that, you know, is going to get amplified, but it's also going to help amplify you, which is why, you know, starting there is actually really, really important. But so traffic, so the, and the traffic pyramid is, you know, one component. It's one component of the biology formula. It is incredibly important, but without the other things working alongside it or, or with it, in and of itself, it's not going to be the thing that is going to get you, you know, the, the sales and, you know, the, the visibility that, that, that you want. You do have to have the, the connection. And as part of the biology formula, you know, I talk a lot about leverage loops as well um, in there. So how can you actually... Um, not just so you want to be leveraging your own audience um, and your own customers to actually help you spread the word so that's kind of the virality formula Um, now to go back to your question about how does the how do the tiers I think in the traffic pyramid work together it's basically you know you kind of need to have so the passive organic marketing is kind of your foundation you need to have that in place you need to have a social media presence you need to because all of that is going to, yes, have you be found, but also give you some credibility. And with that credibility, then you can actually start to leverage other people's audiences because you can notice, and this is just human nature, right? Like people will check you out. They'll look at, you know, your follower numbers and things like that because they want to make sure that, hey, if I'm going to back or be an ambassador or talk about this, you know, this person or this brand, they need to have some kind of credibility behind them. And so that's why it's important to have that foundation in. Now, I wouldn't sort of like have that be the be all and end all. You know, I wouldn't want to have you have anyone think that they have to have a big follower or, you know, be there for their feet to be completely perfect because that's not what we're about. (laughs) It's not about perfectionism, but it is just about at least having a presence and having a pretty good idea of what your message is and what it is that you stand for. Um, because then when you go out to leverage other people's audiences, then you can actually be like, hey, I think, you know, we really vibe. I think we talk about it all, you know, we have a similar audience for this for X, Y, Z reasons. And that makes it a lot more compelling. So yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, that totally makes sense. I want to pause there because I think you said something really important about being clear about your message and what you stand yes. for. Obviously your point of difference, why people should buy from you. I think that's a huge sticking point for our listeners because a lot of us start businesses and maybe you can relate to this as well. Sometimes not always in the product-based world, it's not always based on a problem that's being solved. Maybe, Mm -hmm. maybe to Mm -hmm. a certain extent, but sometimes people are just creative. Like some of our listeners just have really beautiful jewelry or something like that, where, you know, you could argue they're solving a problem around like, you know, giving you the perfect accessory that, you know, your friends are all going to ask you where you bought that, but like, that's kind of creating a problem that doesn't really exist. You know, it's (laughs) not a pressing life problem. So how do people really go about figuring out what their message is when you have a brand where you feel like it's really based on the product? Like, how do you elevate that into something a little bit more? 
Totally. Like, yes, I actually really love that question because I get it so much, so so many times, but we have, you know, what we call like painkiller products and vitamin products. So painkiller being like, yeah, you might solve a problem. You know, you're literally a painkiller versus a vitamin product where, you know, you're just more helping people reach an aspiration or you're helping people actually be a better or more elevated, whatever version of themselves. And how I like to think about it is that we all, like the great thing about products is that everyone, like the the power of products is how it can make people feel. And I think that's so important when we're talking about products that aren't solving necessarily a problem, right? It's all about how does it make people feel? And I know that things like confidence and stuff comes about and, you know, I wouldn't want to sort of have people, I wouldn't be encouraging, you know, a jewelry maker to be going on about buy my thing. It's going to give you confidence because that can be a bit overplayed, but fundamentally you want to be actually weaving that emotion or that feeling into how you bring your message to life. So there's a couple of things that I would say about how you can do that. One is because I am very, very data-driven. So that's kind of like the whole, you know, that's kind of what the virologic formula is anchored in is, is about the data. So we can talk about, I call it message lytics, but it's like a way to sprint test your messages to see what actually lands with your audience. Because a lot of times, I think to your point, you know, we are creative and a lot of people who go into e-commerce or who are makers or, you know, are quite creative people. And so it's very easy to be like, well, I think that this is what my message is. I think this is what's going to resonate, but does it really? You aren't like, you can argue that you're in your your own, your, your own customer, but you're actually not because you're not paying yourself for, you know, your customer is other people who are actually giving you money. And that's what you want to be testing your messaging with. You want to be testing it quickly and cheaply through message lytics, I call it message lytics, that's um, our framework of, around how to actually get data to either validate or to prove or disprove what you think your message could be that will resonate with your audience. So that's one part of it. The second part of it is fundamentally you have to sell the vision, right? Like, and I don't mean the vision of your, your brand or your business, I mean the vision of your product. And I think it's Alison J. Prince, I don't know if you, you follow her, or you hear, but she puts this so, so well. I was actually at an e-commerce event last weekend and, and she was speaking and she was talking about this and how, you know, for her, for example, you know, the way that she started out was she had cupcake liners. She was selling cupcake liners that were striped and she was actually not selling them as cupcake liners, right? She was selling the vision of these cupcake, cupcake liners being a really great way to, and a really fun way to give your kids snacks. So you can use them, portion out snacks and things like that, put them in their lunchbox and make it a really fun thing. So she was selling that vision for her, for her moms, for her, you know, her target customer, her moms. Similarly in the, in my, in Growth Boss Academy, you know, we have, I've just been having conversations with Growth Bosses about, you know, their, about their product and how they're, I call it painting the picture, how they're painting the picture for their, their customers. So Stacey, for example, she sells home decor and one of her things is dough bowl. So it's like a big bowl that has like, that is a candle and has like three weeks oh, in it. Okay. Uh, and she's like, and you know, it's, it's not, it's not really a common product. And it's one of those things where I think you really need to strongly paint the picture. But the great thing about these bowls about it, apart from it being this big candle is that you can actually scrape the wax out and then, you know, reuse and then actually use the bowl. So then it's like, that's where the fun and the creativity comes in because now you can sell a vision. You can paint the picture about what, how people can use this thing. So can they use it as a fruit bowl? Can they use it as 
like a Lego stasher. So, you know, if mums are the target market, then it's like, hey, there's a game when someone knocks on the door, it's like, okay, grab the Lego stasher and like clean up your Lego and put it in this bowl. Like, you know, like, and that's how you actually start to actually bring to life and sell this vision of what else your product actually, and the feeling that your product can actually evoke without actually talking about it in that way. Does that make sense? Yes, totally. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. And I'd love, I mean, we only have 30 minutes. I'd love to get into the message lytics, which yeah. is another lovely word that yeah. you created that um, sounds very cool. Um, yeah. But you touched on something I think that I want to highlight to everybody listening. And we had another coach on somewhat recently, and she talked about something a little bit similar, framed a little bit differently from her experience working in consumer packaged goods, and that's concept testing. So the idea that like, you know, we can think our business is very smart and the reasons why we made the product, but if it doesn't resonate, it's not going to do very well and it's not going to break through. So it's important to test that messaging and that concept to see what actually, you know, really, really hits with people in your target audience. Because I know that speaking from experience with my brand, like we, we shifted our positioning from really travel focused to being talking more about minimalism and capsule Mm -hmm. wardrobes in 2016 when nobody was talking about that. And I don't think it was a mistake, but it was also not like trending. So it was really hard to get people on board with it. Now it's like something that everybody talks about. So it's, it's kind of like, you know, you have to be relevant in the way that people want to buy from you and understand what you're selling and why. So I love that. And I love that idea of having a vision and something kind of interesting about your product, not necessarily having to like reinvent the wheel like create a candle that, you know, produces multiple candles out of the candle. Like it could just be a candle that has a very beautiful container and teaching people how to reuse that and making that part of the story. Like, I love that simplification too. That's, that's super, super smart. So let's jump back to this content multiplier concept and, and how that ties into this virulosity formula. So how do these kind of work together and what can these kind of do for e-commerce businesses when they're trying to grow? Yeah. Okay. So this, the live content multiplier sits in the passive organic marketing, and it also crosses over into another part of the virality formula, which is connection. So this was kind of a big aha I had working with my, my friend on her chocolate retail business. And, you know, it was all about connection because the thing was that she had these amazing sales assistants in store who would have these one-on-one conversations with people who came in, who made them feel so welcome, so loved, really knew the brand. And, you know, that was kind of what she wanted to bottle up and bring online. And so we were like, okay, let's, you know, the really the way that we can do this is, and the great thing is it comes from, goes from one to one, from one to one to one to many, which is all about lives and doing lives, whether that's on Facebook, whether that's on Instagram, just, you know, wherever your audience is. And then what we want to do, and that's, and through that live, you create the connection, right? Because you're actually showing up for your audience. You're actually engaging with them. You're answering questions on there. You're showing products in real life almost, you know, at least they, they can see it against a normal person. They can see how it, you know, moves. If, for example, it's clothes, clothing, you know, they can see how big it is. It's like, for example, bags and jewelry, you know, so it's a really, really great way to not only connect with your audience, but to actually sell, to actually convert. And so what we do is we help our clients actually take that one piece of content and then multiply it everywhere. Now, we do that predominantly in our done-for-you service. So we, 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 we work directly with clients and actually not from a coaching perspective, but actually doing it for them. And the reason why is because 
there's a lot to get that there's a lot that you you have you might have to get your head around now to start off with you could just do this and just get content out there the reason why we tend to do it for clients is because there's also a little bit of an art and this is why I call it also this starts to get into active organic marketing there's a little bit of an art around mastering platforms and what you need to do for depending on the platform so for example with Instagram you know knowing or testing I should say because we you know we never know these things but testing reach through different hashtags through reels through guides through all these different things through stories really knowing what that platform is about and then we have YouTube where you know it's all about keywords and you know optimizing for SEO same as Pinterest so you know that's why very basically you just the fundamental is that you want to use content that you create generally alive we recommend to and then multiply that over all different platforms when we do it for our clients, we actually also put the work in to actually make sure that it's optimized for each platform because there's a lot that goes into that. Mm, yeah, I'm sure. I know every platform has its flavor. And yes, <laughs> I know recently from Instagram, we're just seeing like our reach drop and, you know, everything that's happening yeah. on that platform. Yeah. What a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it becomes even more important to look at your analytics and, you know, test stuff for sure. And so I want to encourage people if they're listening to do that. And they're not doing that. Cause a lot of times we just rush to put out content. Cause we're like, Oh, we got to throw a post up. I haven't posted on Instagram in a day. And you just kind of throw something out there and you're like, Oh, it's done. But like, you know, the Instagram insights or third-party insights from like even Google analytics or later.com or Planoly are really great. You can see what's resonating, what's not resonating. And so oftentimes I think we like to tell ourselves that certain things are important to post on Instagram when really those things aren't really generating the results we want to get from, from those types of posts. So that's, that's such a good call out. So it involves live content. Well, I can definitely tell you that our listeners, a lot of them are very shy to go live. So (laughs) let's dial into that for like Instagram live or Facebook live, or even YouTube live or TikTok, like What are some of your key recommendations for somebody who's maybe not feeling super confident going live on a platform like that? Yeah. Wow. Like I totally, totally understand because I am a massive introvert. (laughs) And like the first time I I think um, Bonner dug out my very first live and I was the most awkward person ever. So there's kind of, there's definitely a big mindset, you know, a part to that, which is I just always tell all of, you know, my, our our growth bosses that, you know what, like just accept the fact that you're going to suck. Like (laughs) that's, it's okay. That's okay. Right. You're going to suck. But just like with everything, the more that you do it, the less that you're going to suck until, and the less you're going to suck until one day you're going to be pretty good. And that's just, what's going to happen. That's what's happened. That's what happens with everything new that we, we try doing. Now, the great thing is for anyone who's a little bit newer, uh, has a, you know, smaller account is that, I can guarantee you, you will go live and no one will show up. Now, that's not a reflection on you. That's not a personal thing. It's just because of reach and, you know, when people are on and things like that. But the great thing about that is that you can kind of like just do it and not worry that, you know, even if you stuff up or you make a mistake that anyone's actually going to be there to see it. And there is always the option of deleting lives, you know, once if, if you want to, or not even posting it in the first place after you go live. So, you know, I think I think fundamentally it's just, there's, there's really nothing else you can do but just to, to do it, right? Like that's the only way that you can get started. Now, when you then do get into the practice and you're doing it, there's kind of like, I call it the, the three C's. I know I've had frameworks out of my ears 
all these all these mains coming out of my ears but um the three c's is a really good one to think about when you're going live like real really quickly to think about what to do so the first thing is that you have to compel people right you have to compel people to come to your live and you have to compel people to actually stay and then to do the thing that you want them to do so the way that you do that is through well, one of the primary ways I found that you do that is through the second C, which is charisma. You know, a lot of people will shop in the live and they'll expect that, expect that they can just talk normally in a way. And that's actually going to translate, in, you know, to their, their audience. And it actually doesn't, you know, with a camera, um, with a screen, you know, separating you guys, like you have to amp up the energy. You have to amp up the charisma. Now, Charisma, the great thing about charisma is that it's not even something that you necessarily have to put on. Like you might have to like just amp up the energy a little bit, but really charisma comes like the, the, the base form of charisma is passion. And I know that a lot of, you know, people who are listening to this are passionate about what it is that they do. So you already have charisma, you know, almost like instantly, you just have to amp that up a little bit. And then the third C is all about content, right? So Content being, okay, what are you actually going to be talking about? Because there's nothing worse than showing up on a live and you just kind of like waffle on about stuff <laughs> and people are like, oh, what am I doing here? Like, why? What, why? <laughs> so you do have to spend a little bit of time just at least having a bit of an idea or frame, a structure around what you're going to talk about. Now, the way that, way that I think about content, especially for e-commerce, is that there are kind of, there are four types. I'll talk about three of them. So I'll talk about quickly about four of them. So the fourth, the, the first one is what I call a festival. Now that's probably not going to be as relevant because that's actually about doing a series of lives over a few days. I do recommend that for people who have like a hero product that might be a little bit more expensive, you know, anything over a hundred ish dollars, you know, might be good just because people, depending on the product, some people need a little bit more time to think about spending that kind of money. So that's why, you know, doing it over, you know, multiple days actually gets people into, you know, it gets their, their mind, it gets them progressing, it gets their, that momentum building, which makes it a lot more of an easier yes after that period of time. But for most people, most e-commerce brands, it's going to come down to either doing a product spotlight. So this is where you just to, um, speak about a particular product, a trunk show where you actually, you know, you highlight a collection. Uh, it could be, you know, a jewelry collection. It could be, um, if you have a boutique, like a, a collection. Yeah, where you actually go through different the different items in that in that collection. And then the last one is just a give what I call a give show, which is you're not necessarily trying to sell anything. You're just going to add value because all of us, you know, as humans and as having had a lot of experiences in our lives, can share always share something of value to our customer and to our tribe. So. That's kind of how I think about structuring your content for, for your life. Yeah, that's so interesting. I love that idea of a festival. That's really cute yes. <laughs> to go on a three-day festival of a, yes. a jumpsuit launch. That's kind of yeah. a good idea to test for sure. What are some of the advantages to like going live versus like just doing like, let's say like an Instagram story or something like that? Do you, do you feel like it's better for customer connection to go live? Yeah, so I I definitely do love stories as well. So it's it's never a, you know one over the other. I think for the purposes of if you're trying to you know showcase a product and convert someone, a live works really well because yes, you can be there with them. You know they can ask their questions and you can answer them straight away. You can show it's it's a it's longer, and so you can actually spend more time actually going through you know the the benefits of you know what it is that you're trying to to sell. 
And also the algorithms love it. The algorithms love lives. Um, that's kind of, you know, more and more the future. Like you can see all of the platforms going into that space. So, you know, that's kind of almost tactically a good, great reason why, you know, you should everyone should be going live. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think another thing to highlight too, is like just that testing. So like maybe one day you try going live at noon and you see how many people you get. Maybe you don't get that many. So maybe you try 8 PM. Like it's really just about testing. There's not going to be like one answer. Like a lot of e-commerce coaches like to say, well, you just need to do this one tactic and like, you're going to blow up to like a million dollars or whatever. And I'm like, yeah. you got to test <laughs> like, cause yeah, exactly. you know, it's going to be different. Yeah. It's going to be different for every business. So so I love that idea of testing it and seeing what's resonating, what's working, what's converting, what time works, what message works. And again, to reiterate what she said, I think it's important that you take it easy on yourself. I think a lot of us are really critical on our, ourselves going live. Like I remember when I used to do live TV spots uh, for my brand <laughs> and I would get off the air and I'd be like, oh my God, that was horrible. And I'm just thinking like, you know, I did one on KTLA morning show like in 2016 or 17 and like live to like I don't know 10 million people or something like that and I got off and I was like oh my god that was awful oh my god I'm just gonna go hide in a hole hopefully nobody sees that and then I watched it back and I was like well that wasn't that bad like you know we're always really like hard on ourselves totally I know we are our harshest critics for sure yeah so I I and and like you said earlier like it's practice right we're not going to roll out of the gate being like you know, you're, you know, the, the hosts from the view on the live, like we're not yes. going to have that kind of savvy, quick-witted comebacks and stuff like that. So some of it is like, you know, making notes maybe of what you want to talk about or whatnot, or getting a teleprompter to help you out. Like there's ways to go live and feel confident and just like try it out. And maybe you do make mistakes, but you're human. So I think that's part of your connection with your customer too, showing that you're a real person. So I love that. I feel like I could talk to you for hours, but I know that we're <laughs> a little close on time. So why don't we jump to what you're working on right now and what's coming up and what are you launching? Yeah, Yeah, for sure. So, and this kind of like ties in with that connection piece that we're talking about, because one of the mistakes I would say that I see a lot of people make is that they actually, the way that they create content is very much about, here's my product, look at my product, look at, you know, and I'm on a little bit of a mission to help people actually connect with the audience, let them in by through storytelling. And so the thing that I'm working on is actually a tool, it's a software that will actually help you convert stories that you have into a whole host of captions, into emails, into a blog post, things like that, super easily, super quickly. So you could literally spend, you know, 10 minutes a day putting the, you know, filling in, you know, putting the inputs in and it will literally spit out for you like, like hundreds of captions that can rotate that you can use to rotate in and out of your your posting so that is called capture and we're currently building it right now and it's going to launch in I think about four to five weeks okay awesome so around this time this episode is airing because we are full disclosure having this episode recorded a little bit early in advance of the season so we'll definitely link up to all of those links in the show notes that you can check capture out sounds super neat. I know that part of this is really, you know, as small business owners, maximizing the content that we create and not creating different content for every channel and reinventing the wheel. Like how can we apply it to other channels? So that's super, super smart. Let's jump into the hot seat questions. So these are just quick one or two word answers, just whatever comes quickly to your mind. So I'm just going to pick a few of them that I love asking. 
and we'll get started. So what's one non-negotiable step in your morning routine? Oh, I would say working out. Oh, good. Good one. (laughs) Yes. What's your favorite business book that you've ever read? I have so many. Okay. If I had to choose one, it would probably be Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller. Yes. Yes. That that one is probably the most frequently mentioned book on the podcast. For wow. sure. Okay. It's a great book. Yes. Yeah. Can. Okay. If you had an extra thousand dollars in your business, what would you spend it on? I would... I think I would spend it on getting the team together. Right now we have a bit of a virtual team. Um, I'd love to get them all together, you know, once COVID, you know, once it's kind of safe to do so. Yeah. Um, So maybe they need some gifts, (laughs) gifts for them. I don't know. (laughs) Honestly, like everyone says that and I'm like, oh my gosh, I get the best leaders on this podcast. (laughs) You know, I think I've had one person be like Facebook ads, but like most people are like, you know, team bonuses. So that's so lovely that you said that because team, team does matter and you got to cultivate a good team and culture. So what's your favorite podcast that you're listening to right now? Oh, right now, I think it would be Dare to Lead by Brene Brown. Oh, yeah. yeah. I haven't, yeah. I haven't listened to her podcast. So we'll put that one in the show notes for sure. I love her books. And last but not least, what's your favorite Instagram account that you're following? Oh, right now, I think it would be Kendra Hall. So she is also another, actually I do like, I love her book as well. It's called Stories That Stick. You can tell I'm a big fan of storytelling, but <laughs> yeah, so she, yeah, I just love how she just brings to life her, her stories, her everyday stories, just, and she's really open and I love that. Cool. So we'll definitely look that up and I'm definitely going to check that out because it sounds like a neat podcast. She has an Instagram account in the book. So just to wrap up, let's just do a summary. Where can people find you online if they want to connect with you? Like where's the best place? What's your website? What's your Instagram? All that good stuff. Yeah, for sure. So website is thegrowthboss.com. Instagram is at thegrowthboss. Obviously you can find me directly on you know Instagram and Facebook as well, Deidre Shen. I'm on TikTok. I'm on YouTube. Anywhere that you can find the growth boss or Deidre Shen, I think you'll find me on any platform. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on Brave and Boss the podcast. I know that I learned a lot from talking to you about this live content multiplier, and I'm sure our listeners will take this away. So if you enjoyed this podcast, just a reminder to tag Deirdre, tag myself, and do a screenshot and share your favorite learning that you got from this podcast and try out doing a live if that's one thing you're going to take from this and see how that goes. Thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it. And can't wait to stay in touch with you. Thanks so much. Okay. Thank you for listening to Brave and Boss, the podcast. If you want to take your e-commerce brand to the next level, be sure to check out my website at christysumer.com, where you can find all the show notes, free resources, and blog posts and principles to help you grow your online store. You can also follow me at K-R-I-S-T-I-S-O-O-M-E-R on Instagram. Find your purpose, make it happen. I'll talk to you soon.